Hello everyone, I am Isara Rahman and I'm in my fourth year of sociology program at Ryerson University. Hi everybody, I'm Taryn Radio. I'm also in my fourth year of sociology. This podcast is actually going to be really fun today for the both of us because we're going to be reflecting on our past four years. We love this program and have a lot to say about it because, you know, we are sociology students so we know what yeah. it's like to be a sociology student. And what student. other people think of our program. Exactly. So, first we're going to start off by, you know, talking about what sociology is to us. Yeah, so for our listeners who are not familiar with this discipline, can you explain what is sociology? Sure, of course. I'm sure there's a lot of definitions of sociology, but based on my um, past four years in this program, I think I would define sociology uh, as the study of complex relationship between institutions and people and people and other people. I think sociology can be very general and very specific depending on what exactly you're examining and evaluating. So for example, you can use a very thorough and detailed framework like the intersectionality approach to you know examine the different ways in which LGBTQ members face discrimination. That would be very specific. And you can also examine a very like, you know, single phenomenon like the binary system in our society so it can be very general and very specific honestly i couldn't have said it better myself that's a really wholesome definition so we've been together in this program for four years and we've had a bunch of classes together i'm sure you have um you know your opinion of what you think sociology is so how would you define sociology Mm, so i would define sociology as a discipline that studies societies institutions human behavior and patterns of social interaction personally we as sociology students We've heard scholars and theorists define sociology so many, over and over again. Yeah, in so many different ways, which is mainly because soci- sociology studies diverse subject matter. So Hagen 2020 states that subject matter can range from crime, government, law, institutions to examining social norms, cultures, sexuality, race, pay disparity, gender, and many more. Everything. Yeah. And sociology is not something that can just be defined in one definition because the discipline looks at complex situations that take place in society. So, like, we need, we're trying to figure out why that might occur. Yeah, and I feel like it can't be, it also can't be defined in one single definition because different people would have different opinions about what sociology means to them. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, to have one definition would kind of be, you know, it wouldn't be fair. Um, but yeah, what you're saying is very true. Uh, as you mentioned, the diverse range of topics that sociology covers, um, and then the different viewpoints Um, you know within a different you know specific kind of sociology so like if you take like feminist theory for example within that feminist theory there are also so many different feminist theories like marxist liberal radical postmodernist so um i think this is actually really good i think having a diverse range of frameworks is really good because it really prevents what boer 2016 refers to in his article as um restricted visions what i mean by this is there is no single narrative or discourse that's dominating in sociology. You know, there's a lot of different viewpoints. There's a lot of different frameworks. And I think that's really important because, you know, people belong to different cultures, different race, different nationalities. And there should be, you know, a lot out there so people can, you know, really see what they want to connect to and what they want to accept. So that's also one of the main goals of sociology as a discipline to <clears throat> be very inclusive and, um, you know, have a diverse range of uh, frameworks that people can talk about and accept and connect to. That's a really good point. 
I also believe that social institutions and organizations regulate human behavior. This is why sociologists use empirical research to try to understand human societies, their behaviors, and their interactions. Like, in the book called Chapter 1, An Introduction to Sociology, it states that in order to understand the social causes of something like criminal violence and terrorism, one has to do a series of steps. So some of the steps could be defining specific research questions that can be answered through empirical observation, gathering information and resources through detailed observation, forming a hypothesis, testing a, the hypothesis in a productible manner, analyzing and drawing conclusions from the data, and many more research steps. Oh my god, that reminds me of <clears throat> all the research classes, advanced research classes we've taken in our second and third years of oh sociology. Yes. <laughs> like, um... Me- advanced media analysis, ad- advanced statistical modeling, all of those. You know, not the best journey, but... They're we, difficult, we, but they're worth it. We learned a lot. Yeah, exactly. We did learn a lot in those courses. <clears throat> I also think another great thing about sociology, a, a, a pro of sociology, is that it really provides meaning to your everyday life experiences. So, you know, nothing really is meaning meaningless, um, especially if you're a social student. So, you know, I would see something happening in my life right now and I would think about it and I, and I am, in fact, able to um, connect that event or that phenomenon to big old social structures, bigger social structures, because, um, you know, examining any specific event in your life will ultimately lead you to examine larger social structures and establish norms and conventional ways of living and doing which is also something that Carter and Verdi agree with and refer to in their article as sociological imagination. Um, so I think we've covered a lot of ground on what is sociology. I'm yeah, sure there's hope that we helped you guys. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of different, you know, endeavors, definitions of what sociology <laughs> means to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, now we're going to move on to discussing some really core pieces of sociology. What are some of the really important and core pieces of sociology, Isa? So, like, something you would definitely encounter in a Soch 101 intro course. Yeah. Um, so, what we're going to talk about in this, it's, it's going to be very boring. It's honestly my least favorite part of Mine too. being a social student. <laughs> the theories. Yeah, they're not the, very, the funniest thing The very learn. fundamental theories, but they are a very, very fundamental part of sociology. So we're just briefly going to go over them. We're not going to make you, you know, listen to a lot of it. But um, the core pieces of sociology are the diverse subjects and, you know, the institutions which are studied by different theoretical lenses. Uh, the main um, theories of sociology are structural functionalism, very old, symbolic interactionism, feminist theory, conflict theory, and Marxist theory. Structural functionalism sees different institutions and parts of the society as working together to promote stability and solidarity, according to Manza, Sauter, and Wright. So if I were to give an example of this, um, so for example, schools as an institution teaches society cultural values, skills, knowledge, um, to ensure that people become functioning citizens of the society, whereas the institution of family um, teaches them to, um, you know, socialize and nurtures them, and it's a way of reproduction. So these two different institutions have different responsibilities, and they teach individual different things in order for them to become, you know, functioning citizens of the society. So that's what I think um, 
structural that's I, I think that's the aim of structural functionalism to you know um say that every every single institution somehow adds to us and makes us a functioning um citizen yeah i think that is i think that's like a good definition so i'll start with symbolic interactionalism so dennis and martin define symbolic interactionalism as a theory that views symbols and gestures as a means to establish meaning and communicate with one another. So if I was going to give an example, I would say the wave, right? Like when we wave to other humans, <laughs> at least in some society, implies greetings and farewells because that is a meaning that humans have attached to the wave. Yeah, and it's honestly so scary sometimes because like something like a positive gesture in Canada can be... Completely taken, different. Oh, and else. it can be taken so negatively in like another country. Yeah. So it's just like really confusing. So if you do travel to other countries, you know, just don't be making a lot of hand gestures and symbols unless you are really <laughs> familiar with the culture. Um, so yeah, that's on symbolic interactionism. So this is my favorite. <laughs> Feminist theory. So a feminist theory views society... This is a very basic definition, by the way. Feminist theory views society as a patriarchal structure that promotes the marginalization of women and it also works to giving uh, a voice to women by highlighting their contributions and experiences, according to Davis, 2008. So, um, you know, a very ongoing and recent example of this would be the Me Too movement um, that fights for equal rights and opportunities for women by highlighting their experiences of sexual harassment. I think Me Too has been a very... And it's not even just the women using um, Me Too hashtag. Yeah. It, you see a lot of, you know, non-binary, two-spirited people using this um, hashtag to talk about how patriarchal structures really promote their marginalization as well because they don't conform to any single um binary exactly and it really did bring a lot of people together yeah it was it was a very famous movement (laughs) (laughs) so i'm gonna be covering conflict theory so conflict theory places people in society in two distinct classes the bourgeoisie one of the health wealth (laughs) and power and the poetry proletarian <laughs> i never know how to say this <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, which means the working class it focus on it focuses on the competition between two groups over limited resources and states that those who have more power have more resources so for example a boss were, would be a bourge, would be part of the bourgeoisie and the employees would be is that, can you help me out a proletarian (laughs) yeah (laughs) relationship is based on the unequal power relations and wealth distribution and the ones in which more power and resources is something that they they have more wealth and resources basically what i'm trying to say yeah and i also like on just on a side note i think the word bougie comes from this word (laughs) that's the best way to remember if you're having a hard time remembering we all love the word bougie so honestly that's how i remember yeah that's honestly how i remember for exams too and i honestly i'm like i never know how to pronounce this like the working class i always have trouble like the proletariat but um i think that was that was good for a conflict theory so the last um core theoretical framework so i'm really not an expert on this and i don't like it when this shows up on exams or when i have to write anything on it but this is the very famous marxist (laughs) theory marxism i'll give it a shot Uh, marxism is a political and an economic frame theory that states 
that classes are the cause of struggle and there that and that there should be no classes according to face and fest 2016 so for example capitalism is built on the exploitation of laborers and i also think this theory connects to conflict theory for sure because um it talks about how you know one class is marginalized and the other class is dominating and um I also think there was like there was this like one of the one of the pieces of this theory Marxism also says that the working class will eventually overthrow mm-hmm. the yeah. bourgeoisie um just like just popped up in my head <laughs> but yeah um I think that's um enough for theoretical frameworks of sociology our beloved theoretical frameworks that we review every single year in all the sociology classes and yet the sociology students still forget it at points so it's okay if you don't remember all the theories uh, yeah i i i kind of remember all the theories i just really don't like marxism so i don't really have a strong grasp of it but i remember majority of them too but there's sometimes like marxism for sure that's the one that i end up forgetting but majority of them i think i have them down right yeah at least like a general yeah definition um so enough of the theoretical stuff now let's move on to the fun stuff which is honestly our favorite part of the podcast because we're going to be talking about the central debates of sociology and what people are saying against sociology so is that let's start it off i do just want to give give a little heads up for um our listeners when uh, i was explaining feminist theory um, I said that, um, you know, non-binary, non-gender binary people do, f- uh, the ones that use the Me Too hashtag do face discrimination and marginali- marginalization because they don't conform to a binary. I didn't mean a binary. I meant a gender binary. So just a point of clarification because there are a lot of binaries in our society. So I, I'm specifically referring to gender binary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that you cleared that up. Yes. Um, so now we're going to move on to our most favorite part of this podcast, which is going to be the central debate of sociology. Um, so I think one of the most annoying yet common debate is, is sociology a legitimate form of science? So one of the central debates in sociology is whether it is a legitimate form of science because people tend to normally label it as a soft science or as a third culture, according to Hoka, um, 2019, which um, he, Hoka specifically states that sociology hovers between hard sciences and humanities. And he also states that these debates vary from country to country and culture to culture. So for example, comparative analysis of Mexican and US sociology and of French and U.S. sociology show that different national contexts produce national sociologies that rely on different value bases. U.S. sociology attaches great value to objectivity and neutrality, whereas Mexican and French sociologies value social and political engagement. So depending on where you are, so for example, we're Canadians, we hear a lot of this U.S. discourse that, you know, your sociology is not objective, it's not neutral. So I think, yeah. Um... That's one of the central debates. Okay, so I honestly think that's the perfect way to like talk about it because we do hear it a lot and it does get really annoying. 
So also, so I'm gonna. Th- I think that what contributes to the formation of these kinds of debates is in the U.S. or North America is the hierarchy of science in these countries. So objective and neutral science is based on the ind- indisputable facts, like biochem, physics, are at the top of the. Are, are at the top of this hierarchy and sociology as a discipline is at the bottom of this hierarchy because it's seen as subjective and fluid and as like a soft science yeah which is so annoying because we we really just we value like biochem and physics like hard sciences a lot in canada um, yeah but sociology can be objective and scientific depending on what is being analyzed and that's very true in fact a study by finelli in 2010 examined 2000 plus papers published in different areas of science and it was concluded that results of the study support the scientific status of the social sciences against claims that they're completely sub- subjective by showing that when they adopt a scientific approach to discovery they differ from natural science only by a matter of degree so they can be subjective but they can also be very scientific and objective, de- really depending on what you're talking about and what you're um, examining. Exactly. The phenomenon that you are examining. Yeah, and honestly, we see that as like the biggest mis- misconception about our discipline because like hard sciences are constantly changing and scientists contradict themselves constantly. Even hard sciences are indisputable. Like if They're we... subject to change all the time. Like nothing is permanent in this world. Yeah, Everything's exactly. Changing. Everything's changing. And we've we've been seeing like even recently like coronavirus has been occurring we've seen so many different things come out about coronavirus we were told that there would for sure be a vaccine by september and it's almost the end of september and we were actually told that there was going to be vaccines many times (laughs) (laughs) we've been and the thing is it's like it's constantly changing like they can't we can't just say oh science stays one way because is that you're right like yeah it's like coronavirus we still don't know what's really happening (laughs) yeah we don't even know if coronavirus is actually a virus like there's some like i don't want to talk about the conspiracy conspiracy theories of coronavirus but we don't know if coronavirus is natural or like you know like objective like you know someone might have like induced it and like we don't know yeah exactly (laughs) we don't know if coronavirus is scientific as much as people say in its nature um but yeah but i i also feel like this debate between hard science and soft science is very irrelevant when it comes to sociology like yes i talked about how sociology can be scientific and objective but that's really not the point i'm trying to make here i'm just trying to say that it's really this debate is really extremely irrelevant to the study of sociology because sociology studies subjects that are constantly changing and something as fluid as subjects, they can like they can be captured in indisputable facts. You know, it it just can't be captured in indisputable facts because they're changing all the time. So, like, there's there's no way that's gonna happen. So examples of what people refer to as like a soft science it could be like anthropology sociology, archaeology, psychology, and many more. So Jansen 2009 refers to soft sciences as a specialized discipline or field that is based on qualitative analysis or scientific investigation. Also, she states that sociology applies scientific methods to human beings. This is why it's impossible to recreate soft science experiments with exactly. exactitude. Like, we can't, we can't um, recreate a... Uh, 
like we can't recreate something that revolves around human beings because human beings are so different because i which is why i think it's so funny how people don't realize how hard it is to actually study human beings because people do not take into account how each individual person in society is different from one another and how humans aren't controlled variables yeah and if as compared to if you're studying science you know you are really studying facts like that don't change they remain constant over time which is yeah. why they're called dispu- indisputable facts but as i said you know everything is changing and even like hard science these days is not indisputable so like i'm gonna give you an example and hopefully this kind of clears it up so if your hypothesis was that girls are most likely to be bullied at school but your results show that boys get bullied more and you try to do the same experiment with the same methodologies at a different school there's a possibility that you're probably not going to get the same responses because again you can't always you can't always recreate um experiment and like it would exactly happen because with scientists there are the there are like um formulas and stuff like that with there's no formula with human beings like you can't always recreate that's so true right you can't (laughs) that's so true though like for even like scientific equations like you have specific like you know the ways of solving equations but you can't do that you know with social sciences or with sociology because it's nothing is the same yeah everyone is so different even if you think about like one topic right like let's say like homelessness we can connect it to so many different things in society that can cause homelessness we can't just say homelessness is caused because of only this least yeah like because of drug use like that makes no sense there's so many different variations of why something might cause like homelessness i and think it's very like ignorant to say that only one thing causes it which is why i think like people really need to get away from this oh sociology is such a, so- a soft science it's so easy but it's even not. if it, even if what is the purpose of sociology even if it is a soft science sociology has made so many contributions like yeah. it has told like it has published so many studies that helps people in different fields exactly um medical take any field to feel you know medicine um psychology i don't know business sociology can really be applied to every single field um so So even if it is a soft science we take pride in that (laughs) yeah so if anyone's listening and cares about oh my god everyone's calling my like discipline soft science honestly we know a lot about like it sociology is a very very, eye-opening discipline it's a very eye-opening so much i i the the information i have gained in these four years of being a sociology student i just feel like i wouldn't have if i was in any other discipline i would only like it's so eye-opening it really makes you realize how ignorant we are to things not like not even ignorant like uneducated when you makes you very very sensitive to people yeah for sure right i totally agree so everyone calling sociology a soft science we are very happy and we take pride in our soft science and it's honestly not that easy it's really not easy to study human beings (laughs) yeah moving right along so now let's talk about what kind of knowledge sociologist or the discipline of sociology produces so what do you think i like how we're like doing all of this in section i'm like obsessed with like organization and structure so like discussing these questions i think it's gonna help us in a way and really provide our viewers with like what you know our opinions on different aspects of sociology yeah i totally agree i like structure (laughs) okay so um wow sociology is very ubiquitous i think we can collectively agree that sociologists produce a variety sociology and social sociologists 
and sociology as a discipline produces a variety of different knowledge. There is a theoretical lens and framework for almost every single phenomenon that you can imagine. There are so many different types of sociology, for example, sociology of gender, sports, market, food, health, religion, law. And then within those types of sociology, there are also a, a lot of different theoretical frameworks. So there's just so many frameworks and so many opinions. Um, so sociology is ubiquitous and it has an explanation for everything in this world. It also produces very rich and diverse uh, knowledge and information. Oh my god, you're so spot on. Sociology doesn't focus on one phenomenon, guys, but rather it focuses on like diverse issues. Honestly, an individual's uh, like options are endless when it comes to what they want to study, what they want to research about, which honestly is my favorite part of sociology. It's not like you're not You can, can study anything. That's you, the yeah, thing. you're not stuck in a box. Like you could study honestly anything. So, sociologists also break the study of society into four parts. So, macro, micro, miso and global but in order to address the trends and problems that are prevalent in society um sociologists sociologists tend to focus on relationship between the macro and micro levels of sociology so for instance in an article written by jensen it states that sociologists devote their attention to collective aspects of human behavior as they put great emphasis on how central groups that influence the behaviors of individuals yeah, and I also feel like um, sociology as a discipline, you can study um, phenomena that occur in other disciplines. Like, so as a sociology student, I can study what's happening is in business. Pharmacy is sociological, theoretical, exactly. framework, obviously. Business, psychology, medicine, like every single discipline. But I don't think all those disciplines can... Um, do the same thing. <laughs> do the same thing, study sociology from their respective frameworks. So. I think that also is why like sociologists... So like, diverse. Yeah, so. and like people that are in sociology can... They're not stuck in a box when it, can, it comes to like what they're going to do next yeah, with their and future. people in sociology are also really smart. Like uh, if... Well, I'm not going to brag. But when oh you... <laughs> but if I'm talking to my friend that's in business... She would talk about, you know, what's happening in the business world and what's, you know, and I am able to, you know, analyze that situation from my sociological framework, but she's not able to do that for my discipline. Yeah. So no, that happens the, to me all the time. So we really do have a lot of knowledge and information about the world, which is great. I love, I love that. Yeah, I do too. So um, just going back to my... Um, point of how like something in business can be studied by sociology so like if you talk about business and the market and like the well this is a fact that you know men are paid um something more sense than women now we in sociology have an actual term for this which is called you know gender dis uh, pair disparity and the glass ceiling yeah exactly so we really do have um conceptual frameworks for things that occur in other fields that are you know different than sociology like, you know, business and the market. Okay. okay. So, start off. <laughs> okay, I think it's time to talk about the strengths and weaknesses of sociology. I think we've already elaborated on a lot of strengths um, in our previous sections, but we'll just, like, talk about them again, because why not? Yes. Yeah, so, um, so, do you want to start off with strengths or weaknesses? I think let's start off with the good stuff first, and okay. then we'll talk yeah, about the yeah. bad stuff. Then we'll talk about the... Cons, not even bad things, just like the weaknesses yeah, just, of sociology. Yeah, it's not bad. So, one of the... Well, I already said this in my um, 
previous section of what is sociology basically one of the biggest pros of sociology is the awareness it brings you the knowledge that it brings to you the, the information everything just in the world starts to make sense and you can really make sense out of every single event that happens you know it just gives meaning to everything so for example i'm going to get a, a very personal example of this so i belong to a south asian family like a south mm-hmm. asian household um you know we're from pakistan and my mom um i'm usually in charge of the household chores i'm sure you can attest to this because you're also oh. from an indian household um usually in uh, our you know south asian household it's the girl that is normally in charge of the chores you know i do have two brothers but do they ever do anything no, no. So and when also, you yeah and even if we like talk about oh yeah who eats first men always <laughs> eat first and the women even are our, just even in our family dinners it's always the men that are asked to eat the first and take the food so now if you think about just this simple thing that goes on your in your like personal like private sphere why does that happen it happens you can connect it to bigger social structures like you know it's happening because patriarchy has influenced our understandings of gender roles about what men and women should be doing in private spheres not even about south asian being south asian um anymore it's just what women should be doing and what men should be doing yeah because even like it's not like patriarchy only involves in south asian households no, uh, no, 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 happens no, no. here too yeah. we see it all the time we allow and the many things it's funny because a lot of times we don't even realize it it's just a part of our everyday life we're so used to it like it's naturalized to a point where we don't realize it's happening yeah right? we have a there's like a blind eye we turn a blind eye to it so um yeah that's so when we think about that and we you know really go into depth about it we're always able to connect it to like big old social structures yeah and another pro is that we it provides a theoretical meaning to everything like um i think a best way to look at it is like if it gives there's a theory there's a theory for everything basically like we've always talked about it like for theories there's so many um different theories you can can always examine like something from a theory yeah so like i just talked about like the um chores example well you can examine that from a patriarchal lens you know from a feminist theory yeah um even from con a conflict i would say for sure because women are the working class and then men would be the bourgeoisie <laughs> and yeah. yeah you can you can examine you know one single phenomenon from a lot of different theories um it also like spreads awareness like the so things much. we learn we like when Honestly, like now I'm going to get personal when I'm since I've been in this program, a lot of the things I can't like learn. I'm like telling my friends and my siblings and they're like, oh, my God, stop talking. But like literally it's like when we learn about these topics, we are able to educate other people. Like we become very sensitive. Yeah. Like I wasn't familiar that much, even how bad it sounds. I wasn't familiar with indigenous struggles as much. That was so bad. And And once we learned about it, it's just. Yeah, like I taught my sister, like she's always reading my papers too to edit, and I was and like I'm always teaching her what everything means and how uh, how much the indigenous community has struggled, and even it made me more aware of like the movements. Like I didn't even know about the movements mm-hmm. be- prior to taking this program. So I think it's like really good that sociology is so diverse because you're able to learn about all these different topics and able to like sh- share your knowledge because that's what like learning is all about. You learn a lot so- of people lack the basic knowledge. Yeah. Like, if we're talking about indigenous struggles and colonialism, as much basic as it sounds, people don't know about it. Yeah, and, like, and that has to do a lot with, you know, our curriculum and, like, middle school and Eurocentrism, colonialism, whatever. But, yeah, people don't know, like, really basic information. So, we, I think we sort of become agents and we 
convey this kind of information to them, which is very important because they should know. Yeah, because, like, Canada tries to tell us, like, one... Like, if you think about it, Canada tries to tell us what they want us to see. We're so, multicultural, so, diverse. Diverse, this and that. We're, we, we're so inclusive. But we and know- that is embedded in our curriculum. Curriculum, for sure. Until, until grade 12... Well, I'll say until first year of uni. Yeah. I did not actually know a lot about indigenous people. Yeah. Or whatever I did know was in a positive context that they had really good relationships. So good. With Europeans. Yeah. Like we didn't even know what the sixty scoop was. That never came Residential into our mind. Schools, oh my god. Nothing of that and how sort. even it's so funny. Murdered and mid- murdered and missing in- indigenous women. women. And we didn't even know about Ryerson. How mm. how much they're linked to the residential schools. Residential schools. It's crazy. So I think it honestly allows you to be in like open mind. One of the other pros is like it helps you be open minded because open minded because this discipline requires you to view society as a complex system rather than just viewing it as the issues as like black and white. Personally, I have seen a change in how I view the world, like how I said before, because we like even looking at things like gender, age, sexuality, race, institutions, more it makes you um less ignorant and more sympathetic. Like we've said this many times in this podcast but we really want you guys to understand how true it is like yeah and you've just seen gender age and sexuality it reminds me of the intersectional approach and how like relevant that is because these things don't function independently for they sure function 100 they function together you know race gender sexuality nationality so these are like really important frameworks that we have in sociology that are really really important for evaluating people's social position in the world um so um and because sociology studies so many different cultures and so many different religions it really gives a lot of value to them yeah. and respect and, we're and not we just, have a lot of respect and value for all of those cultures and yeah we might be a little biased but whatever we're saying is very like true because this discipline isn't like oh like it doesn't have an answer for everything in society. That like, there's no singular answer for a social problem. Yeah. Like, it's so. Um, how do you say it? Like. Why? <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know. It. I just think that, I for sociologists, like yeah, it's easy for us to talk about our discipline in a good way, but people don't really know what sociology is as much. Which is why, like, we hope that this podcast helps because that is one of our cons. Our cons is that people don't really know what soci- sociology does. There's not that much exposure, exposure to the work of sociologists. I know that it might play a fit, like, it might be because of the, there's not that many resources to fund this Hierarchy discipline. of science, too. And the higher... Not a lot of people are in these programs, too, as compared to, like, you know, like, physics, bio, chem, Bi- look nursing. At, look at Ted Rogers. They have a whole building. <laughs> Exactly. Ooh, yeah. I mean, that's for business. But, but yeah, I know. But like, yeah, there's but, so many business. Yeah, students. but sociology is still at the very bottom of like this, like discipline hierarchy, uh, the social sciences in general. I would say. So now I guess we're moved on to the cons. I think we've said a lot of good things about. I think we've said a lot of pros. So we'll move on to some of the cons. Um, I think one of the biggest cons of sociology is that. Um, it's in sociology is an academic discipline. It's not really a practical discipline like nursing, engineering, and fashion design. What I mean by this is these disciplines, like they will literally teach you how to be like these. It's hard to explain. It's very these, broad. These dis, no, no, no. These disciplines are like they're teaching you skills that you need to practice that profession. 
sociology is very academic it's a lot of theory you know like yeah we know how like we do they do teach us how to like conduct research uh empirical research and all of that stuff um um but i just feel like um programs like engineering fashion design nursing they're very they have like they're very focused on how to be that professional once you're once you graduate from university so as soon as you graduate you can go into that field and another thing is that obviously it's not a very profitable career so if you do if you don't want to study after a bachelor's degree you know i wouldn't recommend having a a sociology degree because the most you can probably do with that the most you can do with the sociology bachelor's degree is like professor no you would need a phd for that yeah i know but i'm saying that usually like with sociology with sociology people always think like like people don't realize how hard it is to even become like sociologists like yeah it is very hard but it's it's if you're graduating with a bachelor's degree the most you can probably do is like find a job in an ngo that is probably not gonna pay you that much yeah for sure. or like you know social work get into one of these things but it's not very profitable unless you do you know phd uh which you know can give you a position of a professor at a university but even then an article by Platt 2004 examines women and men's career in british sociology and that study concluded that employment in the field of sociology is already limited and also subject to discrimination for example even though more women are being hired now it is normally men that usually get these jobs and i don't want to like I don't want to give an example of an unrepresentative sample, but even if you just look at our university, most of my profs in these four years have been men. Yes. In the sure. discipline of sociology. I don't know about you. Mm-hmm. No. I, I I'm agree. certainly not saying that this sample represents like the general field of sociology in every single university, but I can see why this, you know, statistic would make sense. Um, this is not so much of a con. This is just something that, that is what it is. Is it you had a few cons? Is there anything else? Yeah. Um. I know. I think that's about it for cons. And honestly, these are not even like bad things about sociology. These are just like like it. It is what it is. Kind of a thing. Yeah. Know? Exactly. Um. But we're gonna start wrapping up the podcast now, and we're gonna talk about how we as emerging scholars fit into the theme of sociology and what themes we would like to explore further in our study. Okay. So I'll so start off. Wanna, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, being a fourth year sociology student, I've learned a lot about society as we covered issues like sexuality, gender inequality in the workplace, as well in the home, as well as in the home, immigration, colonization, indigenous struggles, homelessness, racism, etc. But many of these classes, um, I was attracted to focused on feminist issues, especially classes that focused on the oppression of women in the household were the ones that I was most interested in, and I realized I've taken so many classes now mm-hmm. about these issues. Is I know you can ag- train. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> She's the main. <laughs> is I know you can agree on like to this, but as someone who comes from an Indian household, I'm aware of the power differences between men and women because I've been exposed to it my whole life. We've yeah, already sure. talked about an yeah. example, but those there's way more in our like household. We've we've seen it our whole lives. So, um, I honestly think that it's really interesting learning about how women are marginalized and oppressed in their everyday lives without even realizing it. I enjoy writing topics that call out patriarchy in, the, in our society and builds my confidence to speak openly about these issues. That's so true because you have so much knowledge about it. Yeah, like you can literally, 
like I had really low confidence when it came to talking about like issues that occurred in society and I feel like now that I actually have like I've learned about it I have things to back it up a lot of extensive knowledge on these yeah. Issues. yeah exactly and it helps me create awareness within society i like to learn about disability studies as i've taken only like one class that really centered around oh my disabilities God, same. right and when i took that class taryn let me just tell you it was one of those experiences when i took my first like indigenous studies class in university how like the narrative totally shifted exactly what i learned about them in high school was just so much different from what i learned about them in university exactly it was very eye-opening because i realized there's a lack of accessibility in canada and like how big of a problem this is and how much it needs to be fixed even something as little as how we like what kind of model we used to view um people with disabilities yeah and what kind of model we should use to view them you know we view them as people that have inherent inherent illnesses but it's really the the social model that we should be emphasizing you know their their vulnerability is not a result of their illness it's actually a result of the social structures 100 percent, and that's why like i think i want to take more like i want to learn more about disabilities because i also have family members that have recently been diagnosed with disabilities and i hope to get educated to understand their lifestyle because for sure i feel like with disabilities even like in our Indian household, but in probably in many other households, it's a stig- like it's a weird thing that nobody wants to talk about because nobody really knows how to talk about it. Yeah. So I think like taking these classes, like I would just how I said like I love like I could spread awareness by taking these classes. So I really hope that um in the future I take more so I can help people and, yeah, realize. Yeah, you're right. We never have a lot of discussion on disability, so this emphasizing this sort of narrative is really important. You know, having conversations about disability is very important. 100%. Um, so, something I would really like to pursue. So, I, I previously mentioned that sociology like has an explanation for every single phenomenon in the world. It's so diverse. It's so rich. Um, my main area of research in my undergrad um, has been Islamic feminism. I've written a lot of papers on this. And I think my sort of interest stems from being Muslim myself. You know, being a Muslim girl, I have a lot of interest in the way Muslim women advocate for themselves in the contemporary world and how they have come to being understood as backward, illiterate, and followers of Western slash modern ideologies. I have written a lot of papers on this topic, and I hope to someday dismantle dominant Western discourses that blame Islam and its teachings and readings for the marginalization of women. This, I 100% agree with you that I think this needs to be talked more about because I don't think, like... Be besides university courses, I don't think anyone has ever talked about it before. Like yeah, this uh, is a very um, this is a very interesting topic because these narratives are so loaded with Western ideas, especially when it comes to Islam. You know, it's a very it, the religion itself is like so stigmatized after like yeah, the there's so many prejudice event. Yeah, there's so many racial stereotypes and prejudice about against this religion, and just so many about women specifically and how they are marginalized as a result of the teachings of islam but i just really want to through my scholarship and through my research emphasize that it's not the it's not you know islam it's really western ideas of islam and western discourses of islam that stigmatize islam and the women yeah that follow the religion so i hope you guys enjoyed our podcast oh my God, are we done yeah i <laughs> thank you for listening to our podcast we had so much fun and we hope that you guys learned something and um yeah we hope that you guys have developed a newfound respect for sociology and love it as much as we do 
So wow, um, I think that was kind of emotional. That really like summed up my whole journey of sociology. I really do hope to continue it after my undergrad as well because it's just something I can never detach myself from. Yeah, I think we are so we are, we're so attached to this discipline now. I th- um I hope you know that our listeners learned a lot. They gained respect for the discipline. Um and uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thank you so much. Bye guys. Have a great day.